Welcome to another episode of Streamed and Screened, the podcast from Lee Enterprises that is all about movies and TV shows that are worth your time, hosted by myself, Chris Lay, and Bruce Miller. For the past couple of weeks, we've been digging into the archives, and we have one final filler episode before we are back next week with brand new episodes. This time, though, instead of going into the archives, we are going to be jumping into another podcast because Bruce Miller was a guest on the Across the Sky podcast, a weekly weather podcast hosted by Matt Holliner, Kristen Lang, Joe Martucci, and Sean Sublett, who are all meteorologists within the Lee Enterprises family. And he came on their show to help them count down the 10 greatest weather movies of all time. It is a whole lot of fun to hear people who actually know their stuff talking about weather in movies. We will have links to where you can tune into their podcast, Across the Sky, if you feel so inclined, in the show notes, and we hope you do, along with links to where you can contact us and sign up for the show and hear about what Bruce has been up to and all the fun stuff that he's been working on for the Sioux City Journal. And like I said, we'll be back next week. But without any further ado, here is that episode of the Across the Sky podcast. We will be back next week with more fun stuff. And we hope you're having a wonderful summer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Sky, our Lee Enterprises weather podcast. I'm Matt Hollander, covering weather for all of Lee's websites, apps, social media accounts from Chicago. And I'm joined by my fellow meteorologist, Joe Martucci with the Press of Atlantic City in New Jersey and Sean Sublett with the Richmond Times Dispatch in Virginia. You know, we almost had the full team back together today. Unfortunately, Kirsten Lang from Tulsa, Oklahoma had a scheduling conflict and could not join us. You know, guys, with so much weather to cover, it's just tough to get us all together at the same time, I guess. It's a big country. There's a lot going on across the sky, isn't it, fellas? <laughs> I just like to, I thought we were just all very important people and had very busy schedules meeting with very important people. It's like my people call your people kind of deal now to get everybody all together for the podcast. It has really been a challenge. I'm trying to remember the last show we were all together on. It's, oh, it's, it's been a hot second. <laughs> I'm thinking, was it the the Hurricane Hunter? That might have been it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Had to be there for, for the Hurricane Hunter. We're actually going to have a, another show about hurricanes coming up pretty soon. But this week, you know, it's too bad Kirsten's not here because this is an episode I've been looking forward to for a long time. We're going we're to take a little break from our usual format and we're going to have a little fun with this one. And we're going to count down the top 10 weather movies of all time. Now, for me, this brings together two of the things I enjoy the most, weather and movies. So I'm, I'm super stoked for this one. Now, when we were putting together this list, we realized that there were a lot of movies where weather plays a pretty significant role. Uh, how about an example of one of my favorite movies, uh, Jurassic Park? So kind of forgotten in that movie, a tropical storm hits the island. So that means you have all the rain coming down and what has to be the best scene of the movie where the T-Rex comes out for the first time. And I really think the rain in that scene uh, just makes it even more awesome and honestly more scary. And then another example from one of my favorite movies, John Carpenter's The Thing, a blizzard hits the base in Antarctica. Now, if you don't have the threat of that cold and the snow, I don't think that movie 
nearly as effective. Uh, you know, anyway, we could go on and on like this, but we decided to focus on movies where weather plays a leading role, if you will, uh, where if you take the weather out, the movie definitely doesn't work. So we put together a top 10 list, but we also realized, you know, we're meteorologists. We need someone who really knows the movie business to help us with this. And fortunately, we found the perfect person. Bruce Miller has covered movies and entertainment for more than 40 years. He's currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal and co-host of another one of our podcasts here at Lee Enterprises, Streamed and Screened, where they discuss all things TV and film. Bruce, welcome to our podcast, Across the Sky. I've got to stop you because this is like ridiculous. You never mentioned Crawl. Crawl. And it has alligators that are like swimming all oh, around basements and everything. You, you and, know what? Yeah. I I I I don't think I've seen all of that, but I've definitely seen parts. Oh my Lance. I won't go to the south now because I'm worried about an alligator coming and getting me in the basement of some place. <laughs> that's so, another one. Yeah, I think where there was like a it was it a flood? Was there and that's what filled up the the building you have to, you have to be on the roof of the house and then there's like some gator down at the bottom you've got to swim around and then you have to watch out so the gator doesn't get you now why would you hang there for even a minute <laughs> you know i think i would rather take my chances with jurassic park <laughs> yeah you know and they keep going back to that park that's the other thing you know these people that are always like well maybe it'll be different this time that's all eat a relative we're good <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Bruce, welcome on to the podcast. Glad you're here. You're going to help us break down this list. So I, I say let's not waste any time. Let's dive into the top 10 weather movies of all time. Now, at number 10, it's The Weatherman, because how can you not pick a movie called The Weatherman? It was released in 2005 and was directed by Gore Verbinski, stars Nicolas Cage as The Weatherman. Uh, Michael Caine is also in this movie as well. He plays Nicolas Cage's father. So if you're not familiar with this movie, because it didn't make a lot of money uh, when it came out, uh, Cage plays a TV weatherman in Chicago. So I can kind of relate working out of Chicago and covering the weather. Uh, and he's trying to land a job at one of the main networks. You know, they call it something else, but it's like basically Good Morning America in New York City. That's his dream job, trying to get on that show. And, you know, it's looking pretty good for him. So his work life is great, but his family life is basically a total disaster. So there's a back and forth between his work life and his family life. Uh, but what's made very clear in this movie is Cage's character is a weather man not a meteorologist. So someone else makes his forecast. Someone else builds his graphics. He just what? gets up and presents the forecast and then talks happen. about how easy his job is. So guys, that's just, that doesn't happen anymore, right? Not He's on a, my watch, it doesn't. No, that's a fraud. What if he <laughs> happened, what if there was some bad weather and he had to figure it out? Yeah, I know, no, covering weather in Chicago too. <laughs> and so that's part of the thing in the movie though. He's so, he's not very good and not very accurate. And so people will periodically throw fast food at him, like milkshakes and tacos and burritos. <laughs> and it's this whole thing, like, why do people hate me so much? And it's like, well, maybe if you knew the weather and could actually make an accurate forecast, that would probably be a good start. Is that how you're treated? Are you guys treated like not? Only, I've only now that social media has come around. Before that, not so much. But um, it's very dark, though. I mean, it's not really that bad, but it is. it is kind of dark. I mean... I got that movie on DVD as a Christmas present and somebody gave it to me thinking it would be funny. I'm like, man, y'all, y'all really don't get this. Do you, you just, you, you don't get it, but that's fine. Fair enough. So this isn't a really fun job. Oh, it is. 
I, I think I think what we're just saying, you know, we we as a meteorologist, we like to, you know, we like to do our own thing. We we don't want anybody telling us what the forecast is or what to do. And of course, they're taking a lot of creative license in a movie like like that to, to, for, for illustrative purposes. Well, and they kind of make it, you know, seem that like most of the people on TV, you know, presenting the weather, you know, I think they say he has like a communications degree and not a meteorology degree. I and mean, then he says, like, I only work two hours a day. It's like, man, I wish I only worked two hours a day. That's just, you know, I think it gives it, it kind of, you know, gives people this view of what TV meteorologists are like. And most TV meteorologists, that is not the life. Like they're making their own forecasts. They have degrees in meteorology. They're building their own graphics. There are a few places where they have weather producers that are usually also meteorologists that help build the graphics, but that's in few and far between places. Right? Most of the time, the person you see on TV is the person who made that forecast and built all the graphics. And it's a little bit more involved than they make it out in that movie. Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like Anchorman in the 70s. Nicholas Cage yeah. is a well-paid reader. Is that it? Oh, I know a lot of well-paid readers. <laughs> but they're reading right, news. Sean. But we don't read. That's the thing. We're making up our stuff off top of our heads. We're not, so you we're do not ad-lib? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exclusively. Okay, then how do you know when you have a win? Is it when the weather is just exactly right? Or how do you know that I really did a good job today? Because you go outside and check. <laughs> <laughs> Verify. So the, 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 for, the forecast, you know, the forecast numbers and when the snow is going to start and stop is all ours. But, you know, interpreting that information to a video. Yeah, it's all off the top of our head. I even get a little nervous when people have a script for me to talk about in front of my like, geez, Am I going to mess this up? If I go off the top of my head, no big deal. Well, how you guys don't have bantering now with other people, do you? So you don't have an anchor man that you have to worry about who says, so how's it going to be tomorrow? No, I think uh, all of us had these experiences where we would do the weather on the air when we were doing TV and uh, the producers, the directors, the anchors, they take that two and a half minutes off because they're trying to figure out how the rest of their show is going to go. And, and they will come back. You'll do your two and a half minute bit and you'll come back. And then the anchor will ask you a question and you're thinking to yourself, I answered that dude where where were you and they were off working on you know trying to figure out how the la last half of the show was going to go um you know because... better they were putting on makeup more makeup <laughs> that's the trick oh my gosh um, it's uh, oh, yeah it's and I, I would get one like you know that i finish up my forecast and then they're like you know i might be talking about what a lousy and cold and chilly day it's going to be and they're like that sounds great matt thanks <laughs> it's like i don't think it sounds great Really, I don't think that was an appropriate response. You could tell they were totally zoned out. <laughs> Are we going to number nine? Because I yes, have a question about number nine. Let's do it. Yes, let's let's move on to number oh. nine. Because like Weatherman again, it is kind of like a strange, dark and dark comedy movie. So that's why it's at number ten. I got to put with, it on with, there because it's with called archery, the Weatherman. But with archery of all things, yeah, not not my Weird. favorite. That was one watch once and be like, hmm, okay, moving on. Now this one though, number nine uh classic it's the wizard of oz now it was released way back in 1939 and the film was directed by victor fleming stars judy garland frank morgan ray bolger bert lar and jack haley and i mean i don't think we really need to summarize this one because i think everyone knows the story and it, you know it's really just a classic but of course the reason it makes this list though is the scene where the tornado picks up dorothy's house in kansas and drops it off in the land of oz now I think most people know that in reality, things would have landed a little bit differently for us. Uh, What's a Kansas twister? What is that? 
you know, and that, that's the thing. Lately, there haven't been a lot in Kansas and Oklahoma. You know, you always hear about oh, all the tornadoes in Kansas, Oklahoma. But lately, that hasn't been the case. And I think Kirsten might be able, you know, if she was on here, could talk to that. Well, there's kind of been, as we've, we actually had an episode, there's a little bit of a shift in tornado alley. So there's not as many tornadoes uh, occurring where they classically have occurred in places like Kansas and Oklahoma. And that's even in this movie. At the time, everybody knew Kansas and tornadoes, but there hasn't really been a how much could a, a it twist or lift? Wood. Could it lift a witch on a on a bike, or could it just lift a dog, or what could it lift? It could lift a lot. I mean, you, you can see them pick up eighteen wheelers and just flip them like they're a toy if it's a big one. But I think the difference is, you know, in this movie, it literally picks up her house and carries it and drops it off, and the house is fairly intact and. In reality, that's not how it works. Like the house is just torn apart in pieces. I've never seen a house that was just lifted and then dropped, even if it was a mobile home, like it is ripped apart, mainly because of all the debris that's already in the tornado, especially because we're going through an urban area. All that debris just crashes through windows and tears off the roof. Uh, so the house is just destroyed and all that would have collapsed on Dorothy and I. I'm afraid Dorothy would not have made it to Oz. Yeah, I think one of the things about that movie is that, you know, people watch that and then they get this image in their mind. This is what a tornado does. When the reality is, is what Matt said, you're not going to get picked up and thrown somewhere by a tornado. What's probably going to happen is tornado is going to pick up some bricks and some two by fours, spin them around at 120 miles an hour, slam them into your house and then take something out. I mean, that's how most people, unfortunately, get hurt or killed by tornadoes. The idea that a tornado is going to come around, suck you up, throw you half a mile down the road, eh, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, and I like, you know, there's a scene in that movie where she's looking out the window and she sees like somebody riding a bicycle and just people still carrying on like they're just being carried in the wind like it's no big deal. And it's like, <laughs> not exactly how it works. Although I do appreciate I mean, that movie is incredible. The fact that it came out in 1939 and the special effects that they had yeah, in that movie. For sure. I mean, it's it's pretty astounding. I mean, it is like a technical marvel. But, uh, you know, the other thing that's in this movie is a classic weather song. You know, we could do a whole nother episode on weather songs, but Over the Rainbow. Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of a weather reference in there, too. You got it. Nice. Joe, was this the gateway film for you to get into weather? No, you know what? So so my story was going to be, I feel like a lot of people, um, there's like two movies that uh, people get into weather and it's like this one or Twister. And I think that's coming up later in the list. Uh -oh. uh, but well, actually, no, learned. none of these for me. I Actually, I think Kirsten and I were in the same boat. Like we just always wanted to be involved in weather. Like I can't even pinpoint to a single event, Bruce. Like the first thing I ever remember one of the first things is being in my grandma's basement and Al Roker was on television and my grandma and my aunt saying like, look, Joe, it's going to be you when you get older. And I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, that is going to be me when I get older. So I must've known I want to do weather since the day I was born. So I don't have a movie thing um, that hooked me in. And uh, you know, Matt, I'm very happy that Matt is leading this charge today because movies and I, Movies and I don't always get along. We're not the best of friends. Wow. I remember uh, Willard Scott doing the weather yeah. back then. Yeah. And I too was inspired by him, but I wanted to reach a hundred. So I got the free jam. That exactly. was my, that was my yeah. home. Cause that's what that's I got. Cause I, I'm of a certain age and I had people tell me in the eighties, Hey, Sean, you're going to be Willard Scott. I'm like, well, Willard had no experience. He was well, just, he was a reader. 
Yeah, but that, you know, that was the old, you know, the classic days of television. It was just a different time. And he kind of rode that train for a long time. And he was a good guy. I mean, everybody I ever talked to that met him said he was just one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. And I did, and he was. You so, did be him, Bruce. You met him? Oh, yes. Willard Scott, lots yes. of fun. He, um, you know, he also was one of the first Ronald McDonald's. And oh, yes. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he really is used to kind of being a goofball or was. And um, yeah, so that was a, you know, a, a real fun thing. And weather, that was beside the point. Yeah, yeah you got to have a time. personality too to, to do this, right? I mean, if you're, especially on all for the, all the quiet weather days, like people want you to be serious when it matters. But when it's going to be sunny and nice, you know, you can't just say that. You got to do it I with a little that. bit of pizzazz. <laughs> Once again, same report, new day. <laughs> More Back to you, right? <laughs> That's a uh, welcome to my world right now. We're in the middle of, I think, 11 days in a row dry. And even when this gets released, it's going to be dry and sunny. So I'm working on my dance moves and, you know, making sure I, I know how to use my chest right so I can sing for everybody as well. So be I'm careful what you sure wish for, Joe. Sing and dance. Yeah. It'll change in a minute. <laughs> Willard Scott yeah. is coming back. And, and speaking of weather changing rapidly, this brings us to number eight on our list, Geostorm. Now, this one was released in 2017, and it was directed by Dean Devlin and stars most notably uh, Gerard Butler, but there's also Ed Harris, Andy Garcia in this one. Now, if you want ultimate weather chaos, uh, it doesn't get much better <laughs> than this movie. I mean, there are some really cool special effects, uh, but my big problem is just the premise. Satellites controlling the weather, you know, we're just nowhere close to that being a reality. And then having to accept the rest of the movie for this to work, it's it's just a little much for me. Uh, I'm going to say stretch. a term here. I'm going to say a term here, and 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 please excuse me, but this is this is weather disaster porn is what this is. <laughs> ah, agreed. Okay, I, mean, I, I don't like using that word, but but y'all, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you can just watch the trailer. Google the trailer for Geostorm. It's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what, what can we make the computer do? Do the effects look good when you watch these films? Or do you guys go, oh, boy, they really missed it? Some better than others. This one, actually, they, the effects look pretty good. They're just so outlandish. You know, they have like six tornadoes right next to each other all going on at the same time. And huge, giant hail just pelting down on the city and. You know, of course, of course, in this movie, the weather satellites inevitably malfunction. And then it turns out, oh, actually, they're not malfunctioning. Someone's controlling it and trying to you know, cause chaos by Nipple controlling light. the weather and causing flash freezes and sudden heat waves. And because, of course, people which actually is probably realistic if we if that technology existed, which to be clear, it's not. There's always this ongoing conspiracy theory that oh yeah like we need cover it up and actually control the, the weather but we theory. don't control the weather there are no satellites controlling the weather there are no contrails chemtrails chemtrails yeah yeah the contrails are real the chemtrails no i just had a chemtrail conversation with a couple of uh weather peeps yesterday about this uh exact topic so very fitting two days in a row we're talking about this is where you need to have that though we just sent a rocket up and it should be changing your weather by thursday that's it. <laughs> We're One worried day. about it. See, Joe already would have because he wants some rain, you know, something to talk about. Yeah, so, Joe, I mean, with that, we like <laughs> no rain. That's fine. Hey, listen, I, I think many of us are enjoying it too. It's, it's still great beach weather. I was on the beach earlier today. Life's good. Sunshine, waves, temps in the 70s. Is a beach. I'm not familiar with that term. I was going to say, do you, beach. <laughs> you guys have those in Iowa? Do not. We're on the shore of the prairie. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> nice and uh, nice and wavy, right? It's amber waves of grain, right? That's Not right. Waves, waves of, of uh, That's definitely water. what it is. So yeah, you know, that movie just, I, I honestly watched it once and I haven't watched it again because it was like, it's something to like see the spectacle, but after you've seen it once, then if you, it's not very rewatchable because it's like, oh, it doesn't have the same impact after you've seen it once. And it's like, eh, okay, you know, once you know it's coming and you see all the chaos, it's just, it's not a very rewatchable movie. It was kind of forgettable, to be honest. There were some cool special effects, but then it's like, okay, you know, definitely a popcorn movie. Not terrible. Yeah. And it, it's worthy of the list just because it's so over the top, but eh. <laughs> it's not high either so that's why it's only number eight and so we've got to move on to number seven uh our number seven weather movie or in this case climate movie which is an inconvenient truth now this one was released in 2006 and it was directed by davis guggenheim and it was written and stars uh, famously al gore so the movie came out less than a year after that epic 2005 hurricane season and Hurricane Katrina. You know, that really started the conversation about global warming and climate change and how can we have a hurricane season like that? And so then this movie came out uh, to keep the conversation going, you know, and I actually just recently rewatched this movie and it was interesting and sad at the same time because, you know, the science in that movie is really solid and it hasn't changed much since 2006. And I think that's the sad part because we've known the climate change problem for years. And now it's been 16 years since that movie came out and we've still made very little progress. They have all these ideas on how to solve the problem. And it's like, no, oh, haven't done that. Haven't done that. Haven't done that. And it's like, I haven't made very much progress in 16 years. This all sounds very familiar. Al Gore won an Oscar though. So if he didn't win the presidency, at least he has an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> he has that on his shelf. And he I think, does. unfortunately, that is the one problem with this movie. I think it kind of started the politicization of global warming, because the weird thing about the movie is like when he's up there and he's basically doing a PowerPoint presentation, going through explaining the science of global warming and what the impacts will be and what can be done. That part is great. But then suddenly in between they go off on these tangents where it's basically the Al Gore biography. And he talks about how he lost the election in 2000 and how that was so rough on him. And he talks about his family life. And it's like, what? Suddenly the movie just shifts into a, his personal life story. And it's like, that should have been a separate movie. Like that doesn't need to be here. You're talking about a serious problem. And then suddenly you're talking about your personal problems. And then I think people saw that and were like, oh, well, you know, he was kind of like guilting people and like, why didn't you vote for me? I could have solved I could have been working to solve this problem. And I think that really turned off a lot of Republicans who voted for George Bush. And ever since then, it's been like, well, this has got to be a lie that Al Gore made up. And it's like, no, actually, the science is right. Everything he's saying when he's not talking about himself is good. It's true. I, I So I think this movie is somewhat to blame, even though it had good information because of that weird thing that he did where he tried to talk about himself in the movie. That really turned people off. I think that was a big mistake. But that's why it's called an inconvenient truth. <laughs> it was right. inconvenient for Al right. Gore because he didn't win. Right. <laughs> and it was inconvenient because it, was it wasn't straightforward. He wasn't presenting just the facts, which was, I mean, like you watch that and the, the science is, you know, really solid. And it, it's amazing how, you know, what they were saying then about what would happen if things didn't change. Like we're already starting to see that. So like the science of the movie was great. It was just like, got to have the Al Gore story. Tucked in and there didn't he well. invent the internet too? I think that was another of his things. So <laughs> you're now you're getting to though to one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're switching gears a little bit from more Quite serious movie uh, to number six on our list, Sharknado. <laughs> this one was released in 2013, 
directed by Anthony Ferranti, stars Tara Reid, Ian Ziering, and John Hurd. Ian. 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 If you don't pronounce his name right, he will come after you and kill you. Well, you know, here's the thing. He doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. That's his problem. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies to Ian Ziering. Yes, he's he's in this movie. And I didn't realize this, but there have actually been five sequels to this movie. Yes, five sequels. So there's a total of six Sharknado movies. The first one came out in 2013, and then they released one every year through 2018. That was when the last one came out. So six Sharknado movies. I think we're going to stick with the original one for this list one, just Sharknado, because they have all these other titles like Sharknado, Oh No, and the big one, and the last one, and all this. So just Sharknado. The, now, what was the name of the Oh No one? What what was that one called? It was called Oh like, Hell No or something. Oh Hell No, <laughs> or is it Hail No? No, oh, no, it is. It's, it's Sharknado Three. Oh Hell No, oh, and that was with no. um, who was in that? Mark Cuban, and Coulter. Yeah, there was a they bunch of. Some, uh, they got more and more ridiculous, but they actually had some cameos like after yeah. the first one. Like people wanted to get in on these Sharknado movies. It was quite nobody, the phenomenon. Nobody wanted to be in it to begin with. It was a lot of has beens, if you will. And then they realized that this was getting attention. This was better than having, uh, you know, a porn tape on the internet. So <laughs> they all were rushing to get into that. And the guest list was pretty big as they went along. There also are some scenes where they take like a chainsaw to the sharks. I can't remember which one that was, but I did go to a party once for Sharknado for premiere. And they had um, plastic sharks swimming in a swimming pool. And everybody wanted to have a free shark. So, you know, I guess you do what you do if you want to get the shark. And Ian was there. And so was Tara Reid, I believe, is in these as a regular. And, um, yeah, and I don't know why they stopped. The guy who uh, wrote Sharknado originally or produced it was a reporter. And he just thought of the weirdest things he could come up with. And it was his ticket to Hollywood. So there you go. It could happen. You know, it's funny. It's it's kind of like Geostorm and that is just so outrageous and, you know, that kind of thing. But Geostorm was trying to take itself seriously, where Sharknado yes. knew better than to take itself seriously. They just like, look, we're just going to go out and make this and have a good time as opposed to Geostorm where they're they're going to be try to be serious and make a statement. Da, da, da. Like, no, we're just going to go do something silly and have a good time. I think Sharknado that's had more self-awareness. Yeah, I think that's what makes it work is it is ridiculous, but it seems like the people like enjoyed making this. It wasn't just a movie. It's like, well, I'm just trying to get the paycheck. I think they actually had fun making these movies. And you can that just comes off on screen like, you know, they know that this is ridiculous, but they actually are putting effort into it and they're enjoying what they're doing. And you can you kind of get that positive vibe out of it. And I think it is worth mentioning, you know, the idea of a tornado lifting up sharks is theoretically possible not yeah. to the extent shown really? in the movie, but there is a there is a glimmer of truth in this movie with water spouts picking up fish and then bringing them on shore that actually has happened yeah now the problem is sharks weigh more and so it would take a really strong water spout to lift up something heavy so it's usually small fish but that does happen where things get lifted out of a body of water because tornadoes as we did in our tornado myths show they do form over water. They can move over a lake. They can move. They can form in the ocean and move on land. And so you can bring fish, usually small things, onto land in a water spout or a tornado. How far could a fish travel then in in a tornado, or a sharknado? I, you know, there was what was that one? There was one like specific story, maybe in the past decade, where it was like maybe it's 
like Scandinavia tornado. I gotta look this up. I don't know. Let's go to the internet. Fish. Mm-hmm. And Those are tornado. Swedish fish, and they can go wherever. Ah, oh, that was it. That was and it. they do taste better. <laughs> they, yeah. they do taste better. Yes, that is true. Because it would depend on how long the tornado lasts, how strong it is, and then how much does that fish weigh. So yeah. all that comes into play because you need strong enough winds just to pick up the fish in the first place. But then a lot of tornadoes usually don't last very long either. You know, you know, in all these movies, that's another thing where they show these tornadoes going on and on and on. And the vast majority of tornadoes are on the ground for two, five minutes, 10 minutes, and that's it. I mean, there are long track tornadoes, absolutely, but they're a rarity. Most of them are not around for long and tor- that's why tornado warnings tend to not last very long because tornadoes usually are not long lasting things so there wouldn't be more for a long it wouldn't be like in the movie where the tornado is just going and the sharks are spinning and spinning and spinning for 20 30 minutes that's again a little bit of creative uh licensing there if i may real quick uh this is according to nbc news uh on new year's eve uh and this one's for you matt the east texas city of texarkana had a raining fish tornado. It was known as Animal Rain, uh, but it doesn't say how long they went, at least not yet. But uh, it rained frogs in Kansas City, Missouri in 1873. Tadpoles rained down in Japan in 2009. And we even had perch falling down in Australia in 2010. This is like the movie where they were, I think frogs were raining in big fish. Could be. Wow. Well, can I ask another related question? Now, all these times I've heard that tornadoes are tornadoes, but now we've been hearing different names. A derecho, what is that? A derecho is a long-lasting thunderstorm. It actually has to meet specific, we'll say man-made criteria. Um, usually you have to have uh, an area of wind damage for at least 240 miles from a consecutively, you know, it's a thunderstorm that is moving consecutively for that long so like it's not just like a number of pop-up thunderstorm cells that are moving it's usually like one um defined line of storms that's moving east and it usually moves very quickly i mean it can move at highway speeds and then bring a lot of wind damage along the way that can form tornadoes have they been around a long time and we just didn't have one and that's what kind of like yeah it's you know what it is it's kind of like the polar vortex word of the past couple of years, like polar vortex, the word's been around for decades and we, it just kind of came into public consciousness about uh, maybe about 10 years ago now. And the same thing with derechos, you know, we actually had a very significant derate derecho here in New Jersey in 2012. And ever since then, people ask me all the time when I do talks about derechos and isn't new, but no, it's been around for a while. I just don't think it's kind of gotten elevated as a consciousness until recently and it's straight line winds not rotating winds that's what makes it uh, different from a tornado it's all going in the same direction rather than rotating circularly right i think i think it comes from the spanish word for straight ahead i think i think you're right yep i believe you are right and then when does the shark come into that is that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it doesn't sound as good shark nato sounds better than shark duratio it does (laughs) it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well so Sharknado, number six on our list. And that actually takes us from number 10 through six. So our first five are in the books. So I think it's a good time to take a short break now, but don't go anywhere because after the break, it's the best part of the list, the top five weather movies of all time. So stick around, more across the sky right after this break.
Welcome back, everyone. Matt Polliner here with Joe Martucci, Sean Sublett, and Bruce Miller. We are counting down the top 10 weather movies of all time. But before we move on, we've got to squeeze in this week's astronomy report. So here's NASA Ambassador Tony Rice. Looking beyond the atmosphere, here's Tony Rice with your astronomy outlook. The September equinox arrives on Thursday evening, the 22nd, as the sun is directly over the equator. This also marks the first day of astronomical fall in the northern hemisphere. It's said to be the day when day and night are of equal length. The word does come from Latin for equal night, after all. While that's roughly true, the exact day when the length of day, most often defined as the time that the sun spins above the horizon, is closest to 12 hours, is actually the equilux. Now the equilux, that happens a couple of days later. And even then, it's not exactly 12 hours, except for a very narrow strip across the middle of the country. North of there, it's a few seconds more. South, it's a few seconds less. So why doesn't this happen on the equinox? And why does it vary by location? The answers lie in the sun itself, and like so many things astronomical, in our atmosphere. You see, the sun, it's not a single point of light. It's a disk. When you look up at the sunrise on any given day, that's when the top of the disk peaks over the eastern horizon. And sunset, that's when the trailing edge finally sinks below the western horizon. The sun has an angular measurement of about a half a degree. And so does the moon, which is what makes solar eclipses on Earth so much cooler than anywhere else, but that's for another time. That half a degree adds another two and a half to three minutes of daylight each day. Refraction is another factor. Our atmosphere acts like a lens, bending sunlight up before the physical sunrise and after the physical sunset. And that provides another couple of minutes of sunlight each day. That's your Astronomy Outlook. Follow me at RTP Hokey for more spacey stuff like this. Thanks, Tony. Before we continue, let's do a quick recap of the movies we've covered so far. So at number 10, we had The Weatherman. Number nine, The Wizard of Oz. Number eight, Geostorm. At number seven, An Inconvenient Truth. And number six, Sharknado. So moving on to the top five portion of our list, at number five, it's Groundhog Day. Now this one released in 1993, directed by Harold Ramis, and stars Bill Murray playing TV weatherman Phil Connors, who is stuck relieving the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over <laughs> and over. We should have had this number one. This should have been your number one, right? I, I, I thought about it. You know, this is my favorite Bill Murray movie. You know, and yeah. you've got, you got him, of course, his character, who's a weatherman. But you've also, in this movie, got the most famous animal weatherman, Punxsutawney Phil. So that gives it some weight. And there's a blizzard in the movie that keeps them trapped in Punxsutawney. And so it's never clear why he starts reliving the same day, but maybe the blizzard had something. It was a magical blizzard or something because they get stuck in Punxsutawney. He can't get back to Pittsburgh because this blizzard comes in that he kind of blew the forecast for. And so then he's stuck there because of this blizzard. So you got weather in the movie and of course the cold and Punxsutawney Phil and he's a weatherman. Um, now I'll admit after that, there's, there's not a lot of weather in this movie but it's just it's such a clever movie and so much fun it's it's really hard not to leave it out in this list I just didn't want to we couldn't put it higher because the whole movie isn't weather because once you get past like the first third then it's him just stuck in this town trying to get out of this of this life and reliving the same day over and over but it's done so well it's just such a great movie well you know you bring up a good point and and this is where do we draw the line on what is a weather movie well yeah i mean so that's why i kind of started my definition I mean, you could go on and on anytime like weather is involved in a movie you know so 
<laughs> this one is just it's so iconic with you know him being a weatherman and then you got punksatani phil and it, right. i mean there's just so many weather elements and groundhog day is like a classic weather holiday i mean that's the name of the movie so i feel like you got to put it yeah, I mean, like it is daddy's home Two a weather movie uh, <laughs> i don't think i've seen that one <laughs> because bruce have you seen daddy's home Two? it sounds good i'm calming the, the one the one with with will ferrell um and mark Wahlberg, because what happened what oh, happened in the movie is yeah they were on their way out of town but they were forced back due to a blizzard so it's that like changed the Groundhog whole Day. thing in the movie it's just like is is it's a wonderful life a weather movie because you got the you know you got the snow all around you know yeah. the car crashed into the tree in the movie all i'm saying i like the list i'm not complaining i just think you know it's always interesting when we get into these because it's like his Die Hard a Christmas movie. It's always the oh, classic yeah. question, oh, boy. you know. <laughs> but his Daddy's Home too, where It's a Wonderful Life, also maybe a weather movie. Planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Yeah. Whether that singing in the rain that that yeah. could be another. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> it's a Wonderful but, Life. There, anything that has snow in could be a a Christmas movie, right? Well, that's what everybody wants is, is snow for Christmas and then probably not the rest of the year. But that's the one thing everybody agrees on. You snow for Christmas and then. then you but you just it. want a little. I don't want a lot. I don't want a blizzard on Christmas because that means no. you're stuck in with them. Yeah, you so know what? My mom actually thing. roots for a blizzard on Christmas because then she doesn't have to have Christmas at her, at her house. She just has to get somewhere before Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> the blizzard hits. I will say that there is a scene in this movie that like is very great for meteorologists because this lady walks up to him and it's early on in the movie and she's like oh so i heard that there's we're going to be getting some snow and so bill murray's character goes into the entire forecast like he basically gives the entire forecast like he would on tv for her and then he says uh oh did did you want to talk about weather or were you just making chit chat (laughs) i feel like every time somebody says i heard it was it's gonna rain that's what immediately goes through my thought as well actually there's a cold front coming, and uh, later this afternoon, we're going to start to see a few showers develop, but overnight, that's going to be our good chance, right? Scattered showers and storms, and it could be heavy in spots, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, you didn't want all that information. My bad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that really does happen. I go through that in my mind. It's like some people are just definitely making small talk and just making a passing comment, and it's like, well, there's a lot more I could say, but yeah, it's nice today. <laughs> Groundhog Day was turned into a Broadway musical, very oh, successful, right. and it had really kind of fun songs. If you ever get to see it, you'd like it. And it does kind of lean into that, that kind of, if you will, bad side of being a meteorologist. Very funny. I, very, very funny. I did not know it'd been made into a musical. I would definitely yeah. check that out. Yeah. Cause that is just, it's just a fun movie. I mean, it just, they, I love those movies. These like kind of what if scenarios, like what if you were in his situation, stuck reliving the same day over and over. And it, and, you know, it has like a good moral to it. It's like, ultimately like, you can do all these different things and you could like, you know, take advantage of the situation. You can get depressed, but if you make the most of it, then it pays off. And that's how he finally escapes. So kind of a, a happy. You don't need a larger story. market. You just make the most of the one you have. Right. Right. So it, it, it's a, it's a good one. Definitely had to make the list, but at number five, we still got more to go. So let's keep moving with our number four weather movie of all time. And this is what I don't think gets enough attention was kind of overlooked at the time it came out. It's Into the Storm. It was released in 2014, directed by Stephen Quayle and stars. And I think this is the problem with the movie. There's really not a big name. We've got Richard Armitage, uh, Sarah Wayne Callies. I think I'm pronouncing that right. 
uh, Matt Walsh. So I don't know, somebody may get mad at me, but none of these people seem like big names, in my opinion, no one who really stands out. And so no big names, a lot of people kind of overlook the movie. But I'm going to say that the actors who are in this movie, they may not be big names, but they do a pretty good job and the special effects are pretty impressive. And I really love the final scene in this movie where there is this giant tornado that is just tearing this town apart. I mean, it is one impressive sequence, the way they make this thing huge. I mean, you you, you can, you, the hair stand up on your arm a little bit. It is just a fantastic scene. I, I would, re, I've, I've rewatched the movie just for that part, like that final sequence. It just is really awesome. Have y'all seen this movie? I have not, no. Can't say I have either. I have. Perfect. Yeah, Bruce, what did you think? Yeah, it's a good film. I, you know, I wondered why you didn't include Ice Storm. I have you seen, seen that? I think Ice I've Storm? heard of that, but I haven't seen Ice Storm. Okay, Ice Storm uh, is actually a relationship drama, but it's all set around there's an ice storm and the people are stuck in and then and they show you what it's like being out on the ice. And that is the most uh, fearful thing I have is being stuck out on the ice. And if I got, you know, had to try and drive on it, oh, God, black ice may be the biggest uh, scare that you could throw at me. And we do that all the time. Freezing rain is the worst thing. Like that's the thing I worried about the most in a forecast. Mm-hmm. I would rather it be snow or sleet than freezing rain because freezing rain causes the most problems. You know, that's what will cause power outage. That's what's really going to cause travel problems. I mean, a big snowstorm absolutely will, but it doesn't take much freezing rain to cause problems. I mean, once you get about a quarter inch of freezing rain, I mean, that's that's it. <laughs> it I live down in here. Down. Yeah. Now you probably don't, Joe. You probably don't have those, right? Ice storms? Yeah. No, we got them. We actually, we actually had a pretty significant one uh, about two years ago. Yeah, we get, we get the whole um, smorgasbord of winter weather here. Sean, do you get them? Yeah, we get them in Virginia because we're on the immediate east side of the Appalachians. So a lot of times we'll have this very, very cold air below freezing in the bottom two, three thousand feet of the atmosphere. So it's like it's like twenty eight degrees, but then. 5,000 feet up, it's 35 degrees. Uh, and then that stuff falls into the into the frozen, to the below freezing air, and we get ice. So it happens a lot, especially just westward from Richmond, as you go out towards Charlottesville, Lynchburg, those those areas on the immediate east side of the Appalachians. It's actually quite common. I, I was once in Atlanta when there was an ice storm. And I was in the hotel, and you just look out the window at people trying to drive. It is like the scariest thing it's ever. It's terrible. It really yeah. is. Now I veered on you. I'm sorry, Matt. Forgive me. No, that, that, that's okay. And this one, it was, you know, they're definitely talking about tornado outbreak. So some people said they're kind of copying Twister a little bit with Into the Storm. And I think the other thing that might hurt this movie, there's some really good special effects sequences. But the other thing they do in this movie, and it was kind of a trend for a while, it's one of those found footage movies. And so though they have some regular shots that look real good, then they have this kind of jerky camera stuff, like someone is carrying the camera and running and the camera's going all over the place. And I I don't know, I've just never really enjoyed those movies. It kind of makes you sick watching it. And like, especially for this kind of movie, you want to see those big visuals, the big tornado bearing down on you. And you got this little jerky camera going all over the place. I think that hurts this movie a little bit. Like there are scenes where they slow down and don't do that, but then they're, you know, these, you know, they're, of course, and then you always, the other thing with these found footage movies, like really the person's carrying the camera while the tornado is buried yeah. down and they didn't drop the camera. Okay. They're dead. <laughs> right? Do you so guys that's... ever go out and shoot those kinds of things or do you go, no, I've got to stay in because it's too terrible out? 
I've done both. I, I've, I've been out. I've been home. I've been in the office. I guess, I guess it depends on what the storm is. Yeah, it depends. I'm going to come to Iowa. We'll have to come over oh. to uh, Matt's going to, you know, Matt's our Midwest guy. He's going to take us on a field trip out of uh, your way, Bruce. Come on over. We'll show you all this stuff and I'll stay in the house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just sleep on the armored armor floor. Right. Maybe one of those armored vehicles, which is in this movie, they kind of update. They've got like an armored vehicle, which do exist, you know, like they're so they're trying to get into the eye of the tornado and get the ultimate shot, you know. But I, I don't want to do that. Like that's a little bit too close for me. Like I don't want to be the person trying to get in the the tank and go into the tornado. I don't care how well no, you that can place. stay at home with I, me. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the tornado winning that fight. <laughs> okay, can I ask one more question now? As long as I'm doing this, because I don't get access to you guys all the time. What's the deal about having to be on the air when bad weather happens? You know, when you're watching TV and they break into the show just as, and the killer is, and it's like, we have an emergency report here. What is the rule on that thing? I can start with that since I'm the old man. You know, it's FCC. The, you know, the FCC is like, you're supposed to be saving lives and property, blah, 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 blah. So if there's a legit immediate threat, most of the time it's a tornado warning. Right. If there's a tornado warning for a certain part of an area in a viewing area, they break in to be sure that the people take shelter. That, well, that's kind of because people die. Till one minute, I could wait one minute. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, be, here's the thing. By the time you get that warning, the thing has probably already been out four or five or six minutes. So, look, here's the thing. I, I understand your point, which is why we do stuff online now. So we don't have to run up well, against that problem. Exactly. But, but that's, that's regulation from, from the FCC, right? So if they don't break into programming and people die, then it's on their head. So that I understand people think it's inconvenient. Well, it didn't run over my town. So the hell are you, um, that that's the way that works. Well, they, you know, I, I'm with those people because they could do a crawl for me. Thank you very much. But I prefer to have you guys where you will tell me because I can have that on my phone and I can be listening to you while still watching my TV show. That's kind of where it's it's going, to be honest. That's okay. where it's going. But uh, it's, just, gonna, it's just one of those things. I think that that would be a transition. Yeah, you're going to get a QR code that maybe will pop up on the TV screen. It's like, if you want more information on this tornado warning that's headed your way. Let's start it. <laughs> Let's do it right now, okay? It's a lead thing. We'll, we've created it. All right, so let's keep things rolling to our with our list. We we that was number four into the storm. So number three on our list is the day after tomorrow. Uh, this one is well known. Lots of people saw this one when it came out in two thousand four. Directed by Roland Emmerich, who's famous for his disaster movies, uh, stars Dennis Quaid as a climatologist and Jake Gyllenhaal is in this movie too as his son. Uh, this is another movie where the special effects really stand out. And I, I, unlike Into the Storm, they skip the found footage gag. So I think it looks a little bit better, even though it's an older movie, 10 years older than Into the Storm. I think because they they have some really good shots. So they you know, it's it's good special effects. They clearly spent a lot of money. And that's the other thing, Into the Storm, you can tell kind of a lower budget movie. But this one, they went all out. I mean, it looks good. And a lot of weather disaster, not quite to the level of Geostorm, but uh, pretty pretty intense and i've got to say this movie was also a little bit ahead of its time in 2004 before 2005 in that epic hurricane season and talking about the impacts of climate change but the problem is though the the impact shown in this movie uh, not too realistic is there such a thing as a paleoclimatologist oh yeah i know a couple do you really what does that mean that means they go back and look at 
what we call proxy clues in the geological record of what the climate used to be like. They will drill deep into ice cores. They will drill deep into sediment cores. They will dig deep into coral reefs, pull up these long tubes of crap, and then look at them chemically and correlate that to what the temperature was back then. Wow. That's how we know. That's how we know it's warming faster now than than it did coming out of the ice age, because we can go back and look at those things. Uh, the big problem I have with the, with this movie is that it's all it don't happen this fast. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't happen as fast. You know, it's these kinds of there's, there's grains of truth in this movie, but it just doesn't happen as fast. You're not going to wake up in two or three days and go, oh, it's an ice age now. No, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way. But see, that it, doesn't it, work for the movie. The movie needs to, to go fast. So they got to speed the process up. Sure, a bit. sure. <laughs> you know, and you got to have it because you have to have a tornado outbreak in Los Angeles. Come on. That, that, right. You have to make that happen. You got to have that scene in the movie. So if we do have climate problems, you know, if, if global warming happens, will it be in shifts? Like, will it start somewhere and then move? Or will we all see something? Or how does that work? Everybody gets it a little bit different. Like I you know, had the massive flooding in Pakistan last week. We had this massive uh, heat wave in the Western United States last week. Uh, everybody gets different. That's the thing. Everybody gets a little bit different. Nobody's immune to it. I mean, it truly is. That's what they you know, call it global warming because everybody is being impacted. It's happening everywhere. And you just yeah, the impacts are a little bit different. And you could go from a situation where you go for an extended drought. But then there's, you know, what kind of blows people's mind is that one day there probably is going to be a massive flood in California that's going to cause extensive damage. Like one day that is going to happen and we're going to get one of these pineapple express jet streams that are just going to pump in the moisture. And it's going to be a terrible flooding situation in California, even though most of the time they're going to be in a really bad drought. But one day there could, there's probably going to be a really bad flood. It's going to hit the Western U.S. and it's not going to be good. With sharks. <laughs> With sharks. The, sharks. the pineapple express. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah. You know, so I, I enjoy, you know, also the day after tomorrow is a very rewatchable movie. I've definitely have seen that one multiple times. Unlike again, I think it was, you know, with Geostorm just so over top, there are Day After Tomorrow had just enough that was like good, especially the beginning of the movie. There's some like actual science and they just kind of take it to an extreme level. But it's a well done movie, well acted. I think the script's pretty good. So it, it, it's good. That's why it deserves to be number uh, number three on our list, I think. Uh, but moving on now, we're, oh, we're getting da, down da, to the da, wire da, here. Da, da, da. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is number two, two on our list. The Perfect Storm. This one was released in 2000, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Uh, and it has a great cast. You got George Clooney in here, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, Diane Lane, Karen Allen, John C. Riley is in this. Uh, and what I really like about this movie is it's based on a true story. The story of the fishing boat, Andrea Gale, that was lost at sea during a real storm, the perfect storm of 1991. So this is a real storm, happened in 91. And it was actually a nor'easter that absorbed Hurricane Grace. And they talk about that a little bit in the movie. They, you know, they go into the meteorology of it a little bit. Um, and so besides it you know, being a true story, uh, great acting, great cast, good special effects, a great script. I mean, there's just a lot to like about this movie. It, what is a perfect storm? 
Yeah, and this one, the perfect storm was these two blending of one storm, which was the nor'easter, and then the hurricane. They combined into, yeah, it's almost, do you really want to say perfect? Because it makes it worse. <laughs> it makes the conditions worse. So it's kind of a dangerous word to use. And then there was a perfect storm of 93, too. There have been multiple perfect storms. So then what is your definition of a perfect storm? That's also where it's kind of like kind of a gray area or because wasn't there 93 was also called the perfect storm no no that's not what we call call that storm we call that the storm of the century because that's when it snowed everywhere from central alabama all the way to maine yeah okay okay i mean uh yes for me this different names for it i remember being in that perfect storm (laughs) 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 who was that that sound like he is an old person old bruce that was what you're getting Got it. But uh, agree. It was it was, a, you know, you have two different systems kind of converging into a, a larger dynamic system. So, yeah. So the visuals in this, do they look realistic to you when you see them? Do you say because I would assume, you know, doctors always pick out things that are wrong in any kind of medical show. When you guys look at these shows, do you look at those visuals and say, well, yeah, that's not really what it would look like. Only if it's painfully obvious <laughs> to us. I have a story for our number one. Oh, I'm sure we all do for number one. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'm surprised actually there haven't been more movies about hurricanes. This is like one of the few that there has been. You know what? I would love to see a movie made uh, about the Galveston hurricane. If you've ever read the book, Isaac Storm, if they made that into a movie, that would just be incredible. I think I'm surprised. So Hollywood, listening, somebody in Hollywood, make Isaac Storm into a movie. I would definitely go and watch that. We could do it because I feel like there hasn't there hasn't been a a a true. I mean, even this one was kind of a a, you know a hurricane movie, but it's you know again a kind of focus on the perfect storm. But there hasn't been one about a hurricane like really making landfall and the impacts of it. I feel like you can make a pretty compelling movie um, if you know have a big enough budget, get a good enough cast, it could be pretty good. But the the costuming and 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 the sets design for for you know nineteen hundred Galveston, Texas, that's also going to be a couple bucks. Yeah, that's probably why it hasn't happened. Wear your own clothes. That's all we have to say. (laughs) I will pay a ticket of admission. You got at least my money if you make that movie. (laughs) All right. But uh, before we get to number one, let's quickly recap the top 10 so far. So at number 10, we had The Weatherman. Number nine, The Wizard of Oz. Number eight was Geostorm. At number seven, An Inconvenient Truth. Number six was Sharknado. Number five, Groundhog Day. Number four, Into the Storm. Number three, The Day After Tomorrow. And number two, The Perfect Storm. So now, finally, the moment you've been waiting for, the number one weather movie of all time. It's Twister. Could it be anything else, really? <laughs> At least in 96, it was directed by Jan DeBont and stars Helen Hunt, Carrie Ellis, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and of course, Bill Paxson. And I think if you asked every meteorologist what their favorite weather movie is, I think at least three-fourths of them are going to say this one, that there are just so many things to like in here. The cool special effects, it's a fun story, great acting. The pacing is really good in this movie. I mean, we could talk about this one for a long time. Guys, what stands out to you about this movie, Twister? Well, what stands out to me is that my last meteorology class, Mesoscale Meteorology, Shout out Dr. Decker. Uh, we actually, as our final assignment, had to watch Twister in, in the uh, classroom and point out everything that was wrong with Twister. So that there was our last issues. assignment. What's that? There are some issues with the movie. There, there are a couple perfect. of issues. Hang Tao. 
I'm sorry. Was the flying cow a problem? It, that was a little bit of an issue. Um, I don't know if you'd have flying cows that high into the uh, <laughs> base of the twister, but uh, I ended up, I believe, with a B plus on that one. So, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Must have been something you missed. So, you know, did you mention what I think I brought this up in our top 10 tornado myths? The biggest problem I have in this movie is they're always pointing at the tornado and saying, that's an EF4. Or though there's another scene where it's like, oh, the Storm Prediction Center is forecasting an EF5 tornado. It's like you don't forecast a tornado. You can't just point a tornado true. and give it a rating. You only give a tornado a rating after you go and look at the damage that it caused. Then the National Weather Service does a damage survey, and based on the damage they find, then they rate that tornado. Now, it's true that typically bigger tornadoes tend to have stronger winds and have a higher rating, but not always. Sometimes it's a big tornado and ends up only being EF3, and you might think it's an EF5. But if the damage isn't there, then you don't know. So that's the whole thing about this movie. They're always pointing and saying, look at that one, EF1, EF2, or we're forecasting on EF4. And it's like, you can forecast tornadoes, but you're never going to forecast exactly where a tornado is going to occur and how strong it's going to be. That's that's not quite how it works. It would be too easy that way. So that's the thing about this movie. They always find the tornadoes and make it look, I think, you know, this really grew the storm chasing world. Man, storm chasing exploded after this movie because, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun, but they also make it look easier than it really is. In reality, when you go storm chasing, there's a lot of sitting and a lot of waiting and a lot of not seeing anything, to be honest, because you'll think you'll be in the right spot, but then the storms actually fire up, you know, 50 miles north of where you are. And so then you're driving, trying to catch up with the storm, you know, because you don't know exactly where the tornado is going to occur. And so you have to go, you're literally chasing it and trying to find it. But there are many unsuccessful storm chasing trips, unlike in this movie where they make it look like, oh, you'll always see a tornado every time you go out. Well, and did you know it was shot in Iowa? I did not know that. Yeah, so we have a little piece of the action. Um, the the big storm stuff near El Eldora, Iowa, and then they also had parts of it in Ames, Iowa. Come here when you're coming to do that big visit, and we're sitting inside the house. Right, storm, you we can do a tour. Well, that's the place to do it. Places where they're flat. You want flat places for storm chasing. You don't want a bunch right. of trees. You don't want a bunch of hills. And the flatter and the less trees, the better. You know, I'm wondering, connecting the dots, was it in Ames because Iowa State's there? And there's a That's what I was program thinking, there? Joe. Could be, could be. What yeah. are the, the, if we saw something like that coming, what would I do? Go underground. <laughs> I really want to be in the basement. I don't want to be upstairs. Uh, no. Yeah, what you want to do is, if you have a basement, that's, that's always the number one place to be at. But if you don't have a basement, you want to get away from windows and you want to get to the center of your building. And I say that because, like, for example, I'm in an apartment building and the center of my apartment isn't the center of the building. Uh -oh. So you want to make sure you're towards the center of the building away from windows and you want to crouch. You want to put like a blanket or a jacket over you just to protect yourself a little bit. But if you have a basement, that's always bad. So basement, I'm good, but you're not. As a third floor apartment person, you have a better chance of surviving than I do. Wow. By the same token, there's more tornadoes in Iowa. Yeah, we are. We have a lot of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. They're, always, they're always hitting. And that's where we get complacent. And we watch those weathermen on TV who says, you know, it's coming, but it's in Nebraska. And we don't care. And we're mad because we interrupted the TV show. So you see what I mean? It, that's what happened. We get a little complacent in our lives. Well, thankfully, we have Matt Holliner. <laughs> I'll let Thank you know when you really need to worry. Tell us what we need to watch out for. We can I'll give you the heads up when it's when it's when it's real serious, Bruce. I'll give you on our website. 
<laughs> yeah, you'll you'll phone me directly, right? I'll get give you a call before I go before I before I make the post on the Sioux City right. Journal's website. I'll give you I'll give you a personal phone call. The one thing you don't want to do though is what they do at the end of this movie, which is the most ridiculous scene where they just tie themselves. This supposedly is an F five tornado, and they just tie themselves to this water pipe, and it's like we're gonna ride it out. It's like that little strap that they attached themselves to that pipe to would have snapped so easily in that storm. And the fact they come out of this tornado, they're in the middle of the tornado and they come out of it unscathed when there was clearly like all the wood around them in this little shed they're in. Like they would have been cut up so badly and definitely picked up that rope would have snapped. They would have been thrown hundreds of yards. They would they would not that would not have ended well for them. That's like probably the you know, there's a couple of scenes that are a little bit of a stretch in this movie but that one for me is like okay yeah they'd be this dead is not gonna happen <laughs> they would be gone <laughs> you have to have your main stars survive but they would not have survived i'm sorry why didn't you include cloudy with a chance of uh meatballs Ooh. well that's the thing yeah we were, we're through our top 10 list but like what did we forget what are some honorable, honorable mentions, mentions? Yeah. yeah that's a that's one yes cloudy Daddy's with a chance home the that shining. has a TV meteorologist. Oh my gosh, the shining. That's <laughs> right? kind of like the thing where the weather plays a big role in that movie. Where I mean, that's why they're they're kind of trapped there. I mean, out there, that's the the end scene where he's out in the snow. Like that is like that is a Classic. creepy movie. I can't watch that alone. I really can't. I have to watch it with. Here's Johnny. Creepy. <laughs> the so fog. Cool. You didn't mention the fog. That's TV another one. Oh yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, yeah. And then there's so, the, I think there's another one called The Mist. There was the fog in that right. movie called The Mist. There's one where they go into a grocery store and everybody's inside this grocery store and they're stealing things. But I can't remember which one that one is, but it's not that old. Yeah, I've seen that one. That one has, I think, the most depressing ending, if I'm remembering right, where it looks like, you know, there's no hope and then suddenly there is hope at the very last end. I, I think that was The Mist. I think that has like one of the most depressing yeah. endings I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Poseidon Adventure, if you want to go back, where the ship yeah. is turned upside down and they have to kind of float through it. Right, that one. Yeah, the the, yeah. the rogue wave. Yeah. So there, the, that's why we needed to be longer than the top 10, but it's not as fun. You got to say, you know, you got to be, you got to scrap down and say, these are the top 10 weather movies of all time. So that's what we did. <laughs> and I think you have to put Twister number one. That one is just, if I think the meteorology community who I know listen, listens into this podcast would be very mad if Twister certainly was not on the list and definitely has to be in the top three. Do you think they would all vote then for Twister as the number one? Do you think it would win in a vote? I think it would. I think yeah. it would just because of, uh, of the impact. It got like a lot of people interested in it. It was such a you know well-done movie, a movie that got seen by so many people. It got people interested in meteorology, you know, first in storm chasing, but also being like, hey, I want to know more about the, the science behind this and like what causes this so it definitely you know sparked some interest in people so uh, it's, yeah uh, i mean as, as i classic. was in grad school when that movie came out uh and then to see the impact it's had on on the younger generation of meteorologists is is really amazing how 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 much that particular movie influenced um that generation joe <laughs> you i'm on mute sorry yeah. Uh, yes, the younger generation. Well, I'll have you know, Sean, you know, in 1996, I was only five years old, so I wasn't watching a Twister back then. When I was five. But, uh, but yeah, watch it as I, soon as I, he could. I watched it as soon as I could. Now, let me ask you, now, let me ask you guys a question for Bruce and Matt, because I'm always intrigued by this as movie people, because the one thing now people make fun of me at work because I don't watch movies. And I say, I just can't sit down on the couch, flip through the channels and say, Oh, a movie's on. I'm going to watch it. You guys do that. Like 
you just sit on the couch and like flip through the channels and wait until a movie comes on and then start watching it? You know, I'll sometimes put a movie on in the background. Like I'll be doing some other thing. If it's a movie I especially I've seen before, like Twister's a great example. It seems like that movie is always on TV. Like if I'll be flipping through like, oh, Twister's on it. And I have something else I need to do. Like I need to like, you know, do some cleaning or do some dishes. I'll put it on in the background and I'll be doing something else. Um, but usually for a new movie, no, I'm not just going to flip and try and find a new movie. Like I'm going to like, you know, go to a, especially going to a movie theater. I do enjoy going to theaters. I missed that during the pandemic and I'm glad it's back. Uh, you know, for a big blockbuster, I want to see it in a theater. But otherwise, yeah, I'm going to get it on streaming now. I know with Netflix, I'm going to pull it up. You know, I'll make the time for it rather than just like, eh, let's get lucky and see. But although sometimes I'll do that if I have something else to do and I'm just like, oh, OK, I'll put this on in the background and do something else. I usually see everything before anybody does. <laughs> so I have taken notes and done all my work. And so the idea of just kind of watching something twice is a real luxury. But I will say that there are movies that'll show up on, on you know, at a certain time. Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. Those I will sit and watch and laugh again, even though I could say all the lines with them. Because um, I guess they put you in a different mood. Whereas a lot of other things, and today too many streaming series, way too many streaming series. I really don't want to get invested in something that I can't finish especially if it has like two or three years and I don't know, am I going to be alive in two or three years? <laughs> you know, I don't want to mess with that. I really would like to see it done. And I think they try to just stretch some of these things out way too long, but I will on occasion, um, the Turner class TCM, if I tune into that, there might be something and then it'll bring back big memories, even of sitting in a theater watching it. And that's really weird. Godfather was on this last summer. It was a big thing. And I remembered everything that was about that mm -hmm. when I saw it originally. So, you know, it's it's the way you look. Joe, you got to get out more. You just got to get out more and see more movies. <laughs> no, I think I got to get in more and watch more movies. <laughs> right. It depends on which way you look at it. Just know that it's probably a safer place than your apartment. If that, that is true. Very true. Throwing it out there and you can get popcorn. I, I hey listen when I go I try to ask for them to layer the butter on the popcorn so you have you know butter bottom popcorn butter popcorn butter one thing though I do there is a movie I do want to watch it's a remake of the 1930 uh World War One movie I believe it's called On the Eastern Front is that true it's coming out in Netflix next month in October I'm gonna look this up again but I was interested in it that one you were looking for the one I'm looking for. I know it's so, I want to watch it so well. I can't remember the name on top. It'll of be at home though. You won't go out for that. I guess that's true. It's all quiet on the Western front. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, it might okay. be a movie. I guess it might be a movie theaters. I'm not sure. It's a Netflix release on 1028, but it could go to the big screen. They'll do them for a week or two to qualify for the Oscars. And then it goes on TV. We've got oh. one coming out this next week. In fact, called Blonde. It's about Marilyn Monroe. And it's hitting a couple of theaters before it'll hit Netflix. It's Got like it. three hours long. How long? Three. And I, like like, I watched it last night. I thought, God, I got to get to bed. This is too much. And um, it's more than R-rated, let's just say. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, it, if they did that, they would get it. <laughs> oh, so they didn't give it, they didn't let MPAA tell, look at it's it. It's one of those ones where, yeah, I think you can say, I, we don't want to be rated. Got it. And then it's, 
Yeah. Unrated. <laughs> Remember those unrated movies we used to see? We go, oh, this is going to be a good one. And exactly. it really wasn't a good one, so to speak. But anyway, hey, you guys, this has been really fun. Yeah. You want to so do I guess this is what you talk about in your, your podcast, Streamed oh. and Screened, right? Bruce, do you want to give a, your podcast we, a shout out? Streamed and Screened. Please look at it at the Lee uh, newspaper sites. You'll find us. I think we're on all those those iPod, all those kind of, you know, you know what I mean. All those things that you young people look for your podcasts on, you know, the Apple. Google Podcasts, Spotify. You'd find us there. Um, But we talk movies. We get to talk with people who are making movies. Um, We just, you know, chat about a lot of things. And I think you'd like it. It'd be kind of fun. And we even do talk about what you eat at the movies. So, Joe, lean in. We're there for you. Hey, let me know. When, when you guys do a, a, a movie theater food episode specifically, let me know. I'm in. We are so there. But hey, thank you for letting me join you guys today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Bruce. No, thank yeah. you, Bruce. We yeah, appreciate Bruce, it. Thank yeah. you. Bruce couldn't have done it without you. So thanks so much for coming on. And yes, check out Streamed and Screened. I, I listened to it. It is a great listen. Definitely check it out. So Uh, With that, I think that's another episode of Across the Sky in the Books, our top 10 weather movies in the bag. Uh, Now, next week, we're going to be back with a more traditional episode focused on hurricanes. We're going to look back at the storms we've seen so far this season and then look ahead to what might be in store for the rest of the season. So if you like hurricanes, definitely tune in next week. But for Lee Enterprises, Joe Martucci, Sean Sublet, Bruce Miller, and myself, Matt Hollander, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care, and we'll catch you again soon. So that was the Across the Sky podcast from a week or two ago with Bruce Miller as their guest. Like I said, we will have links to where you can contact them, contact us, and find their show, find our show, find shows in general just online, the WWWs, which in this case stands for win, win, win. Hope you're having a great, fantastic summer as it winds down and that these past couple of weeks even though we haven't had new episodes that you've been getting out there and seeing only good things and we'll be back in your feed with more fun stuff soon thank you so much goodbye